Hey, this is Matt here at Retro Rewind, and welcome to another episode of Mixtape Memories. Today, I have one of my favorite Instagram, I'm just gonna call you an Instagram sexy model. I have one of my favorite Instagram personalities, Till from Broken Arcade. It's uh, easily the top arcade, home arcade page on Instagram and YouTube both. And um, if you guys are not familiar with his page, Broken Arcade, you have a you have a full arcade in your garage. Pretty much, yeah. How many units do you have in there right now? Yeah, there's 34 in there right now. And then there's one, uh, actually 35 with a broken one, or one we're building, uh, Wizard of War is in there. So we're working on that right now. Oh, yeah, I've been watching you work on that, though, because you, you update on that periodically. I do, but I have, I'm have waiting for a, one of the great things about doing arcade stuff these days is the community is great. There's a lot of uh, technology out there now, and people are reproducing or repoing uh, old parts. And I'm waiting for a wiring harness. I have everything I need. I've got the cabinet, the artwork, the monitor, the game board. Everything works except for the wiring harness. And that's vital, obviously, to, to make the game work. So waiting for that. I've been waiting like six months. I don't know if I'm going to get it. I might have to just build my own. But yeah, Wizard of War is the one that's not operational. And uh, we'll get it going here. I've got a bunch of games in storage. How many How many do you have in storage? Probably another 20 or so in storage. Got just about 50 games Total, maybe, you know, space is always the challenge here because everything's in the garage. I'll rotate things in and out. Like, I have Tapper in there. I'm going to move Vanguard out, bring Tapper in. So, Or I'll let people vote on what games they want to see. A lot of fun. What was your first machine? Where did it all begin? Where did it all begin? Well, that one night. Pretend we're at AA, um, Arcades Anonymous. Yeah, Arcades Anonymous. Yeah, I try to avoid that. Still in the denial phase here. Where did it all begin? So, I, uh, you know, I, was, I had an affinity for technology. I think growing up, we had a TRS-80 computer, an Apple IIe, and of course, Atari 2600. And I always just loved technology. It was like the future is now. I mean, you're controlling things on your television set, and that was so cool. And then going to an arcade for the first time that I can remember, I mean, you're controlling, it's the graphics were so much better. It's all about what's the good graphics, you know. Make a long story short, my dad used to take us to the steakhouse in Alpine, California, the Alpine Inn. And I'd be sipping on my Roy Rogers and my sister would be, you know, drinking a Shirley Temple. I'd be sitting at a Miss Pac-Man cocktail table and he'd be giving us quarters while we waited for, uh, waited for our table. And I remember that just those such sweet memories, you know, with the family and, and playing Miss Pac-Man and fast forwarding. And I was going through Craigslist and I saw a stand up or an upright Miss Pac-Man. I didn't even know he could buy these things. Never really thought about it. So I, I said, I'm going to get that. So I called the guy, went out there and got it. Knew nothing about arcades. He said, oh, the lights don't work. I don't think they even have lights on the top. And he was just fibbing to me about it. But I didn't care. I was just so enamored by this. Brought the game back. My neighbor helped me, you know, sand it up and fix it up and restored it to all its glory. It was in poor shape. Fully working Miss Pac-Man. Looks amazing. Or I think it does. And that's kind of where I got the bug. Uh, and from there, it went from Miss Pac-Man to, you know, Donkey Kong Jr. that came out of a, a Chuck E. Cheese out of Texas that a guy had. And that just kept going. I got another one, another one, another one until we stopped parking in the garage and just got more and more. And on Halloween, we'd open up the arcade to the neighbors. Just kind of grew, and it was to see everyone's joy. It's it's these are like nostalgic art pieces, and it's really cool to see people re-experience that or or introduce their children to that and, and watch that same type of joy to spark. You know, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. I mean that that whole nostalgia thing is is crazy. So like let's let's talk about kind of arcades in general. Now they had been around. I mean they took off in the eighties really in, in the early eighties, but they, they had been around before that, you know, they had been, it, it wasn't always the video game machines, but they had like the, uh, 
you know, like the, the, the machines where you could win tickets or prizes or things like that. And a lot of the early games were in like bowling alleys and, you know, out on um, like boardwalks and things like that. Um, then, you know, it, they started to take off really as, as arcades with Space Invaders and Galaxian and what, like 79 or so, but took off really with Pac-Man. Why do you think, why do you think that popularity exploded like when it did and the way it did? Yeah, I, so you started with those electromechanical. I mean, you can go back into the '60s and find different games. And uh, you know, we in the '80s we were in a revolution for a lot of things, and we were advancing. You know, technology was becoming new. I mean, I don't know if you remember that that Apple commercial where this lady has this giant pack. See, you can fold it up and put it right and carry it out. And the thing must have weighed a million pounds, and she just looks like she's carrying it along. But that was revolutionary. It was just absolutely amazing that you could see everything on this box and carried around with you. And I think with the advent Yeah, I had of, an IBM, I had a Compaq uh, oh, portable Compaq, computer yeah. that weighed about, uh, well, weighed about 40 pounds and had a little tiny green screen. Oh, yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I mm -hmm. think that that was absolutely amazing. And then we had home consoles. So we're really introducing a lot of new technology and new entertainment that no one's seen before. If you wanted entertainment, you played some board games or you went out and played outside or, or did stuff with the family or went to the movies, but did you never had a way to integrate. I mean, when TV went from black and white to color, that was absolutely amazing. And now you can control the TV in a, in a, in a way. And with the advent of things like MTV and the media that really hyped up new technology and things moving forward. So I, I really feel like, you know, culturally we're, we're, you know, reached a precipice and, and started spilling over into this, this new age of technology and entertainment. It just, people were enamored by it. And when you talk about Pac-Man, it was, you know, wildly popular. And a lot of these games came from Japan and there was so much, you know, social uh, testing there and social proofing that once it came to America, it wasn't guaranteed to, to do well, but it just absolutely went crazy. And there's something about Pac-Man and a lot of those early games in the, the use of the, the characters that were essentially icons. And as people, the, the, the simpler something is, the more we can relate to it. Because it's, you know, if you see like a happy face, you can almost put yourself into it, even though it doesn't look like you. And that's how like, I think a lot, like a lot of those early games were, is they were iconic. So we kind of put ourselves into them, you know, with, with the modern games and they look gorgeous. And I love, you know, I love all the, all the new games because I play them with my son, but like, it's not you. And I know Pac-Man's not me, but it's like, you could kind of put yourself into that or Mario or whatever. There was like, you weren't forced to the reality. And then the sounds, there was something about those sounds too. Yeah. I mean, the, the sounds, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. So you, you listen to these sounds now you're like, oh, those are so iconic. But I mean, were they only because we probably grew up with them in that sense, but there's something to be said for these games. It's a very simple concept, control this ball up, down, left, right. That's all you get. And it's very simple to get into and you, and it had just the best ingredients for, it wasn't too hard, but it wasn't too easy. So it gave someone that you wouldn't get thrill fatigue playing it you always wanted to play a little bit more and, it, and where some games it would just be it's either too hard like a defender for a lot of people was just absolutely too hard for for me in particular it was i didn't like it as a kid because i just couldn't get i would just wasn't that good at it where i had a buddy of mine that just would you know destroy that thing so i think with pac-man and games like you're talking about they're very easy to get into and and play and do kind of good so they're a lot of fun so they start creating those good memories because you know you're going to spend at least one quarter, two quarter, three quarter, and it's just going to be rolling around in your consciousness like that. And I think that's what starts building those those fun memories. And of course, games or arcades are in 
fun places like Chuck E. Cheese or the arcade was an awesome place when I was a kid. And for me, it was, you know, I was younger. So it was like seven to, you know, 13 around that age. Oh yeah. And they were, I mean, a lot of them were in malls. That's where I went to play a lot of video games and, you know, malls kind of took off. I mean, I think the, the, the growth of malls right at the end of the seventies and all through the eighties helped the arcades because, you know, we were already going there, you know, they were new, they were exciting, they were fun. And, you know, finding a, a place that was all video games was incredible as a kid. It's like, oh, I know where I'm going. You know, my mom's going to go buy pots and pans or my dad's going to go to Sears <laughs> and I'm going to go play Pac-Man. You're going to go play Pac-Man. What was the arcade for you growing up? Were you, where did you grow up at? Uh, I, I grew up in Hawaii. I grew up on Oahu and we had three that we went to. There was Hawaiian Brian's, which was an amazing place. It was a, a bar, pool hall, it's and, still a pool you know, hall, arcade. Yeah. Right. And it's funny because as kids, we didn't realize that we were allowed in it. We thought we were sneaking in, you know, because it had a bar right. and they didn't, right. they, you know, they didn't care. And, you know, but we always thought it was cool because all the college kids were there and we would, be, you know, we were there, at, you know, seventh grade or something. And we thought we were wow. getting away with something. So we had that. There's a place called Puck's Alley and then the Fun Factory. And just I think the Fun Factory is a, a chain that was even here in, in on the mainland. But um those were the places we and we were there every weekend, you know, as much as possible. Um, I actually had uh, one of my early traumatic experiences at the Fun Factory in uh, Pearl City. And uh, you, you ever have one of those memories where it just will not leave you no matter how much you want to forget it? And it's not anything significant. And that, that's what happened to me while I was playing. Uh, I was actually playing Donkey Kong. Yes. And, you know, if, if nobody was there, you would still kind of put a quarter there to let them know you were going to play one more. And as... When I died, I went to grab my quarter and it fell. And there had been this kid standing like right next to me, you know, like right up against the machine. And every yeah. so often he would kind of bump it. And I was getting kind of annoyed. But, you know, he didn't put his quarter down. So I knocked my quarter off and I go down to pick it up and I look up and the dude has has got a and, you know, we're both in sixth or seventh grade. It's 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 actually right before seventh grade. He's got a full on erection in jams, you know, in what? like insert and like and he's bumping up against the machine like he's dry humping it. And, you know, I'm down on my knees picking up my quarter and I look up into a into into that. And that that has scarred me forever. What was even worse is I didn't know this kid, but I was in an area where there weren't a whole lot of white kids and he was another white kid. And so a few weeks later, I go into I don't know why I'm telling this story. (laughs) I go into seventh grade and in my class is this kid whose penis I looked directly into and was humping my my uh, video game machine and that that's and I was in school with him forever. I never told him that. But that for some reason, that's one of those memories I cannot get rid of. Like, I can't remember, you know, like why I go downstairs into the kitchen, but I can vividly remember this dude's bulge in my face. So anyway, I'm not quite sure where to go after that. <laughs> <laughs> Donkey Kong. I mean, I first played that at a it was at a hobby store and and I wasn't really sure what it was the teenagers always crowded around it. i was a little you know timid back then but now you'll throw some elbows to get to it oh yeah but now, back then you were you were timid battle it. but <laughs> it's uh it was a game the kids back then were putting or the teenagers back then were putting a straw down the the coin shoot and that's when you could because they later nintendo later fixed that but every once in a while you get lucky and they give you an extra game they're like okay we're out of here here kid you can have a game and and that's where i got i didn't ever i never got really good at donkey kong but I got to play it enough where it was fun and, and it was satisfying and I got some free games and that's where, you know, you try to get as many levels as you can. And, uh, but yeah, I remember just the joy of that game and that was talk about some iconic sound. That's the, those, those sounds will stick with you for sure. 
Oh yeah. It's, I, I really do feel like the, the sound designers were similar to the, the guys that designed sounds for slot machines because the sounds were addicting. They made you want to keep playing. If you died, you were like, ah, oh, and you felt it. And those sounds are so simple, but it's like, they're, they're rooted in you. Like the first time you hear them, it's, it's, it's crazy. But like I said, I, I relate it to, to slot machines and they make you want to play more and they want, they make you want to put more quarters in. It's like crack for your ears. <laughs> well, I think you hit it there. It's it's simple. It was simple because there wasn't much technology or much platform to create, you know, anything more complex. So they had to work off simple tones. But I mean, simplicity like that just really sticks. You don't need anything more than that, obviously. And it's just it really, really creating, you know, short jingles and and, you know, those earbuds that just sit. And it, that's really what made, you know, pleasurable. The, the music aspect of it as well was was really awesome. You know, little melodies you go home and sing you know, or the sounds of like a defender or a robotron or some of the williams games like very distinct sounds or you hear dragons are off in the distance or tron how many times you remember hearing tron off in the distance that game was always on full volume you know cranking away and that's part of what you know locks in those memories in your consciousness it's pretty cool okay so you you mentioned miss pac-man you mentioned uh defender and a couple of others what what are your top five 80s arcade machines Either either now or as a kid, either it doesn't matter. Just what do you think? What are what are your top five? Tron, for sure. Love Tron. Star Wars, uh, Miss Pac-Man, of course. A Dragon's Lair, uh, Pole Position. Those are five there that are just really, I think, at the core of of what I remember as a kid. You know, and those are all those are all early eighties too, right? Eighty two, eighty three, eighty two, eighty three. That's I think that's the year that really stuck with me. You know, I'm Pac or Galaga's like, you know, goes early on. And I mean, Galaga's a favorite too, but it's specifically, I mean, when 83 is when Dragon's Lair came out. So that was just a huge, huge hit. And then you have pole position. And, you know, I remember times at Chuck E. Cheese where I'm bouncing between pole position and, and Star Wars, like, but the cockpit versions, you know, at, in the garage, I have the uprights um, for space because uh, I have space constraints, but it would be great to have, you know, the cockpit versions of those. Uh, but that's what I remember. Oh, yeah, those kid. are great. Yeah, a lot of fun. So, so now, what was your preference as a kid? Was it was it consoles or was it the uh, the arcade? Was it consoles at home or arcades elsewhere? Yeah, I mean, it had an Atari twenty six hundred or VCS as someone. I think in in nineteen eighty two they changed the name to the twenty six hundred as they're coming out hmm. with uh, you know alternative versions. But for me, it was a console of the twenty six hundred. But I, arcades was where it's at. And then computer games got better. But I was really into the arcade. I think. I mean, but I didn't. You know, it was it was going to Chuck E. Cheese was the main arcade for me, and there was a couple other like no name places, and you're always lucky like at the mall to go play something. You might have a Gauntlet. I know that we used to play in Sears and, and things like that, but definitely arcades. That was where there was at. I'd rather go and play and put a quarter in one of those games. I mean, the graphics was better, the sounds for me, the experience was a lot, a lot better. The environmental effect of being surrounded by video games was cool. Yeah, and then friends, you know. And it was pretty cool. And, and <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. Cool. Okay. Well, I have a controversial question for you. Okay. Blowing on a Nintendo cartridge, does it actually do anything? Aside from getting spit and debris on the connectors? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, I recently got a, an NES, a classic one. And, and maybe if there's dust on it, let's argue that we blew some of the dust off in it and it helped that connection because uh, I blew on them plenty of times and it worked. But or did it? I don't know. Um, I pulled the games apart now and, and you know, cleaned up the 
the connector on the PCB and, and that works a hundred percent of the time. You know, if, if there's, if there's any, you know, corrosion. So no more blowing. No more blowing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so now, um, kind of towards the end of the eighties, that's when the, uh, the, I guess the golden age of the arcade kind of started to die off, but then it popped back up in the nineties with the, with the fighting games the two player fighting games, like street fighter two, mortal Kombat. All those oh, were yeah. you as into those as well, or were you more the earlier '80s games? No, it was earlier '80s. I remember actually on Maui, where I was at, I remember uh, seeing all those games, and at that point, I was uh, kind of I wasn't much into it. I, I did get into Mortal Kombat. I mean, they're great games; they're awesome games. Um, but where I was at in life, I was you know when I was a kid, it was about wonder, and it was everything was so amazing, and I was old enough now where. I wasn't mesmerized by an arcade game and the fighting games just didn't have the same allure of like watching the movie Tron and then actually playing the game or, or seeing Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and then playing that arcade game. That to me was was a lot more significant and had a bigger impact. Um, but by, without a doubt, I mean, Street Fighter is in the whole uh, lineage of those games is, is absolutely amazing. And how it rolled out to consoles and and infected a whole new age of kids is is, is pretty cool, actually. Well, and those? actually what you said there is yeah. is kind of what started to kill off that second era of, of video games it's when we were growing up it would take years to get an you know a, a port over from you know the arcade to you know the atari or whatever um but by the time the 90s rolled around especially the the mid and late 90s that that time was just, you know it became so short where you know something would drop in the arcade and then a few months later or six months later it would you could have it on the console you know you could have it on in 64 or the original and a worthy port not like just not an art oh yeah Atari 2600 you know oh i guess this reminds me this is like a distant memory of a game it was absolutely fantastic and you're right you're absolutely correct that you know my kid's not going to an arcade there's no need for an arcade i have these giant wood cabinets with a i mean i could fit you know, thousands of those on our phone, or we could fit all of that on, on a small piece of technology. Like I have a Raspberry Pi with a bunch of games on it, you know, thousands of them. So there's no need in the and But back then, that's what you had. And that was what was amazing. But you're right. That bringing that experience home, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these kids could, you know, especially those fighting games. I remember that's where I learned Mortal, Mortal Kombat off a console, you know, buddy of mine had a yeah. console. So. Okay, so so talking about what you just said is, uh, what do you think of the home arcade machines, like the the arcade One Up or the the At Games Ultimate machines or Pandora's Box and Mame machines and things like that? What are your opinions on those? Yeah, I mean, well, let's start with Arcade One Up. I get asked this a lot. I think what Arcade One Up is doing is awesome. They're licensing the machine, so they're getting you're getting the true artwork. You're getting you know I think some really great representation of what these games are. It's a smaller footprint. It's also a newer monitor and newer technology, so they're not going to break. I mean, if you, that Miss Pac-Man has a potential, or a lot of these games. I mean, Star Wars broke multiple times, but you have a company like Arcade One Up that realizes that we're not getting any younger, and people are reliving those memories, and they provide a really awesome product. I think what they're doing is is great. I actually have one. I, uh, the kid wanted a Street Fighter for his, uh, for his birthday, and we got him one. I was happy to get him one, specifically in Arcade One Up. Um, things like Pandora's Box, those are... You know, those are using games uh, that have been, you know, I don't want to say pirated, but they've been put, they're all emulated and pirated on those machines. And some play great and some don't. But overall, if if you don't have a lot of space and you just want one game, you could put a plop a Pandora's box and have, you know, three to 5,000 games right off the bat. Or you could go get an arcade one up and have, 
really cool artwork and a small footprint and a very clean new machine that's not going to break and not a lot of the buried entry over like a pandora's box is is like next to nil they're great machines so i think that that i think it's really cool and i think that's what a lot of people should do you know and i suggest it all the time um i'm i'm not a purist but i when i look at a monitor a crt monitor that's what brings back the memories you know and it's not the same on a on a lcd i'm lucky and fortunate to have space to put you know one of these old original authentic machines in so but again i think arcade one up and and other companies like it i think it's a, it's a worthy cause and it's and it's helping you know continue to keep these games alive and those memories moving forward yeah that's i i have a i think about seven of them downstairs in the in the 80s bar and then i have you know this galaga right behind me and uh, i have a, a one of the at game or the at games as well um and they're they're all great i mean i i prefer the look of those arcade one-up machines because you know right. if you squint they're you know they're the same thing but they don't weigh as much you know they're 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 smaller you know you can fit more in they do have multiple games which is fun um you know but i i think i'm kind of like you as well if, if i had extra room i would full you know i would love to have the old school and that's that's how i started i mean my first arcade cabinet was the the superman from konami from the the late 80s oh no kidding wow and and so I picked that up in an arcade auction that that I just I you know I happened to see an arcade auction while I was visiting my mom in Texas. Oh, cool! And um, you know, I was like, "What the hell is this?" You know, and, and drove in, and that was about twenty five years ago or so. And oh, I love wow. that thing. And you know, I've had a few since, and I always you know, there's just something about those things. And and the the one up machines are are cool. You get some of that as well. Um, but there's just something about saying, "Okay, this you know, this is what I actually used to play." It, it's if. If it's something like, for me, getting a mis an authentic Miss Pac Man, that's what does it. But I I would ha I would want to get one. I don't think I would uh, get another brand. But however, for like a Street Fighter, love the game, cool game. It's a multi game. You can go live on that thing. I'd I'd race right out and get a one up for that. That's super cool, you know. But I, the nostalgia is not there in the same way. So it's it's uh, uh it's it's a utilitarian value and it's. It's pretty badass, actually. Well, and that's that's what my Tron is downstairs. Is I got the arcade one up Tron, and it's it's awesome. You know, it looks cool, it plays cool. Well, it's just a Tron too, right? It's yeah, it's got it's got all the it's got both in there. Yeah, um, sweet. And it's you know it's fun, um, you know. And and then I did the you know I'm not overly techie, so and that's one of the good things about the arcade one ups. But if you want to play around with it, you can update things. Like I added the 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 light up buttons. Right. You know, and things like that. You know, I added better sticks and you don't have to, but I was like, I'm going to do it, you know? Yeah, it can heighten the experience. It's fun to tinker and, and always add that black light mod that guys have is pretty cool for the Tron. And and there's lots of one-up mods out there. It's it's created a whole giant community. I don't know if that was anticipated, but it really took off. And, I, and that's another thing that's pretty cool about that, you know? So you have a Tron. What else do you have down there? Oh, God, let's see. I have the Golden Axe machine. Oh, I nice. have uh, Street Fighter Two. The Mortal Kombat, um, I'm not sure what it is, Mortal Kombat 3. It's got, you know, all the Mortal Kombats. Um, let's see, I have a Pac-Man, I have a Miss Pac-Man. Uh, what else? There's one or two more. And then I have the the At Games machine. Uh, I can't it. remember what the other one is. I have you have a Pandora's Box machine, or did you have one? Uh, I have a Pandora's Box, like the, uh, the, the, the tabletop the, version, like, or whatever you call it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sweet. Um, but no, I don't have a machine. The uh, And the, the at games machine, it's a MAME machine. And so you can add, it comes with like 300 games. 
Oh, cool. And then you can add more. You can add ROMs um, to it and stuff. Yeah, it's it's like 300. They have 300 licensed games. Got it. But, you know, the majority of those games aren't, you know, like your marquee games. Like they have probably like 10 or 15. And they have a bunch of Atari games that were licensed from from the Atari console. Oh, nice. Which is pretty yeah. cool. Um, the, that would, I would say the, the only downside about like the, that, the, the AT games machines are like, I want that look of, of an original machine. Right. And, you know, they're just kind of, they're giving you a generic, you know, multi-game cabinet. And, um, I'm, you know, because I was an artist, I look at it and I'm like, these, the sign art's kind of ugly. <laughs> um, <laughs> but the, the machine has, it has better controls. It's bigger. It's easier to put together. So it's like a generic cabinet with better controls and stuff. Yeah, the, the the all the controls are heavier duty than the arcade one-up machines. It comes about half already assembled, like the half with the monitor and everything are already pre-assembled. At the same time, I think that's that's the beauty of those. I mean, you can put them together and they work. I, I don't think a lot of people, when they're, they're getting their first arcade game, I get a lot of questions like, well, I want to get a game. What should I get? And I'm like, what are you passionate about? What do you like? And they'll, they'll name like, uh, I don't know, Tempest or something. And I don't think people anticipate the problems that may come up. It's like, if you're, it's like getting a car and you want to use it as your daily driver, you're going to go get an old 289, you know, 68 Mustang. Um, you better be prepared to take it to the shop or learn how to work on it. Cause it is going to break down, especially if it's your daily driver in that sense. And same thing with these arcade games. It's nice to have it in the corner. You could not even play it and it'll break down. I mean, I've got a couple down games. I, did, I didn't play spy hunter that much and the game's not working. It's just, that's how it goes. Um, and again, that's the beauty of these these newer games is you don't have that problem. They just work. And if something does go wrong, you can call a phone number or, or buy something online and, and fix it right away. And and I guess you could with some of the older games as technology is coming forth, but it's not the same. You better be prepared to work on these because they will break down. Yeah, I think for me, um, for the most part, having the like the one up machines, um, you know, those are all fine. Uh, if it's something that I really love, like I think I've mentioned this to you before, is I want a cyberball machine, a, a, the double cyberball. Yeah. Those are cool. And I want to get another six player X-Men because I had that back before my divorce. That you know? is a huge and machine. Like, right? But I but I have like that's because I have a personal connection to those. And so, right. you know, if they do break down, it's something that I would be willing to work on. You're passionate and, you about know, versus it. Yeah. yeah, versus, you know, a bunch of the other stuff. Like I love the Capcom side scrollers, um, but I don't have that same connection. Um, what's the best way for somebody to get started if they want to build a, a home arcade or buy an arcade cabinet? Like what kind of tips would you give them? Don't do it. Find a game you're passionate about. Decide on if you have the space and you want to get an, 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 a game or decide if you're going to get an old or older authentic, you know, original cabinet or if you're going to get something newer. Um, but if you're going to get something older, that's where I guess the advice might come in. It's prepare um, for if it's going to break because it's not if, it's when. Um, who's Who can fix it? Are you going to fix it? Um, do you have means or, or a friend group that, that can help? Um, I think those are the things that become important because these games are not, not everyone could fix these game boards. You have to, you know, search out people sometimes and, and find those. So be prepared to, that what comes with the game. Um, you know, if you're going to get a game and then rip out all the original parts and then just put in, you know, newer parts, you probably would want to get, I'd build a cabinet. There's a guy, I think it's 417 Arcades. I believe that's his site. His name's Michael. Um, he creates all the arcade cabinets from Dragon's Lair to Paperboy to uh, Spy Hunter. I mean, you name it, this guy can make it, and he makes it off the original cabinet. He He's pulled apart old junk cabinets that were dying, retraced everything, 
I'd probably do that if I was going to, before I would take an original game and pull all the guts out of it and put in parts. Cause I think that's kind of wasteful too. Um, unless you're going to sell me the parts, I don't give a bit. But, <laughs> you got to send them to broken arcade. You send them to broken arcade. Um, but yeah, you decide what you're into that way. So where can people find you online? So online, uh, mainly Instagram, uh, at Broken Arcades, my handle uh, or username. You can find me there. I've got a little bit of content on YouTube. Same thing, Broken Arcade. And those are the main places. Instagram's the best place to find me right now. Very good. Do you have any, any final tips or wisdom for people? Yeah, just honor those memories and the times why we all collect. Um, don't let anyone tell you that you're hoarding or that it's, you should be shameful for collecting. Last tips, you know, just have fun. The best, the best thing about it is having fun. Um, remember and honor those times. It's a, it's a great time. Again, they're like 80s art pieces, nostalgic art pieces. And if you're into the 80s arcade nostalgia, then you definitely would enjoy my account. Um, it's a lot of fun that way. It brings up a lot of memories. And, and you go live every Saturday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Yeah, we go live every Saturday at 7 p.m. Pacific. We do um, game showcases. We do giveaways. Um, we answer questions live. We do game play uh, requests. Uh, this Saturday, we're doing, I don't, I don't know if you knew, but Galaga, and I didn't know this, Galaga has this, this hack or this bug, if you will, where if you dodge, you leave the left two bugs there, and you shoot everything else on the first stage, and then you dodge them for about 10 minutes. They'll stop shooting, and then you shoot them, and then nothing else in the game shoots at you. Um, so that's pretty interesting. So we go over do stuff like that during the live. Yeah, just check it out at Broken Arcade on, on Instagram. Very cool. Well, thanks for hanging out with me, and I appreciate your time. And everybody follow Broken Arcade on Instagram. I appreciate that. And Thank you so I'm, much for having me, Matt. Cool. Thank you, and uh, take care, everybody. I will see you next week. Yeah.